Hold on. It's about, it's to, get about real. to get real. Jenny Matthews is keeping it real about life, motherhood, pop culture, and everything in between. Get ready to hear all about it. Life's ups and downs, mama drama, cool new finds, hot topics, pop culture, and more. Let's go. This is real. It's real. Is real. Real life. Hosted by Jenny Matthews. What's up? What's up? All right, I'm going to get right into it today. Do you follow Scary Mommy on social media? I do. And I saw something. I see so many things on Scary Mommy that are just dead on. But I saw something today that was beyond dead on. I was like, did I write this and not remember writing this? Because seriously, just about every single thing in this article is me. And some of it is embarrassing. But I have to believe this is relatable. I have to believe I'm not the only one because somebody else wrote this article and I could relate to so much of it and lots of people liked it. So I have to believe that I'm not the only one. That's what this podcast is all about. You know, sharing real life, sharing the stuff that I don't know, a lot of people don't want to talk about. You know, life's not perfect. My life is definitely not perfect. I've got all sorts of issues, so much baggage. I always tell my husband, aren't you so happy you married me? Because I swear he's like the most normal person I've ever met in my entire life. And I am just a bag of mess. So this is what the article was. This is what being a mom with generalized anxiety disorder is like. Oh, yes, people, we are getting into anxiety. I feel like this isn't just one podcast. Anxiety is such a big thing in my life. I feel like I'm going to talk about this a lot throughout these different episodes. So today, well, first, let's start with this and then I'll share my anxiety story with you. But this is from Scary Mommy. This is what being a mom with generalized anxiety disorder is like. I won't read the whole thing. I just want to get into the different things that this person says. She says, this is what my life is like. My sister asks if she can take my son, her nephew, to the park. I say no, because if she were to get into a car accident with him and he died, I could never forgive her. My bonus daughter asks if she can go in our backyard, two feet from the back door, to play on our playground by herself. I say no, because if somebody were to come kidnap her when I look away, I would never be able to live with myself. My husband wants to give our baby a banana to try. I say no, because I don't want her to choke and die. And we'll just stick to baby food until she's 15. Right there, check, check, check. I mean, I have literally had those exact thoughts. I leave my house 45 minutes early to pick up my bonus daughter for school because being late to places makes me feel like a soda bottle that has been shaken to the point of exploding the cap off. To avoid that feeling, I make sure I am 30 minutes early everywhere I go. My mother-in-law wants to take my son for a sleepover. I say no because he's not used to her bed and he may fall off in his sleep and break his neck. My God, like I've had these thoughts. If I have a stomach pain, I convince myself my appendix just burst and I currently have poison filling my insides and I'm going to die within the hour. I mean, I'm kind of laughing, but kind of not. This is all very real. I have anxiety and I have thought just about word for word every one of these things. If more than two people are talking at once, it feels like they are holding a megaphone to my ears and screaming at the top of their lungs. If you invite me somewhere... I will smile, excitedly say yes. When the day comes, I wake up dreading it because it requires me to get myself ready and have conversations with people. I'll spend the entire night absorbing other people's energy and entertaining small talk. And by the time I get home, I am completely drained. If I leave the house feeling self-conscious about my hair, I will spend the entire day watching every single person I walk past to see if they look at my hair. Then when they do, I will convince myself they are thinking about how hideous it looks today and that I never should have left the house looking like that. If I tell my sister to call me and she doesn't, I will call her. If she doesn't answer, I automatically assume she's been kidnapped and murdered. If someone asks to hold my baby, I will stare at them the entire time. So when they drop her, I will be prepared to catch her. This article goes on again. It's from Scary Mommy. 
Uh, if you want to read the whole thing, I mean, I really recommend it if you can relate to any of that, because I know I sure do. Um, that's you know where you can find it, Scary Mommy. It's a good thing to follow on social media anyway, but holy cow. Yeah, so anxiety, it sucks, and I've dealt with it my entire life. It got really bad in my early 20s, and I'll share that story in a second. I think I know for me where it all stems from, I think. I, really, I've been to therapy a little bit in my life, but this is all kind of stuff I've just figured out throughout my lifetime, trying to trace it back. So when I was five years old, we were my parents had not divorced yet, and we were in the process of moving, and my parents had to put my sister, brother, and I somewhere. So we went to my grandparents' house, which was two hours away. And so we were at my grandparents' house while my parents were back home in Maryland moving. So we were in Virginia. They were in Maryland. And while we were at my grandparents' house, I was five years old. My grandmother made us lunch. I remember she made the best homemade macaroni and cheese, like from scratch. It was the greatest thing ever. And I remember she made that for us. And we all sat in the dining room at my grandparents' house and we ate lunch. And the next thing I remember, shortly thereafter, my grandfather went, my grandmother had said she wasn't feeling well, so she was going to go back and lay down. I mean, I'm five years old. I don't think anything of any of this. So she goes back and lays down. My grandfather went to check on her shortly after lunch. And I can picture the entire scene. I can picture him standing in the hallway just outside of their bedroom. And I can picture him just standing there. He was as white as a ghost. And he just threw his hands up in the air and he said, that's it. She's gone. Those were her, his words. That's it. She's gone. My grandmother died while I was at their house. So the next thing I remember, I can visualize the ambulance coming and the paramedics coming in and and I'm just sitting in the living room kind of just watching all this go down. Five years old. I can't really comprehend what just happened. I didn't really even know what death was. So I thought, what do you mean she's gone? I mean, she's gone. Like, what is, I don't know, five years old processing death. And then the next thing I can flash to in my mind is my mom seeing her when she, so obviously someone had called them and then they raced to Virginia to, because her mom had just died. And so they, they raced to, to Virginia. And then I can just remember my mom in hysterics. Now to paint a little picture, my grandmother looked really super old, but in truth, she was 65 years old when she died. And I don't know, maybe it's the older I get, the younger everything else feels, but 65 years old is young. I mean, it is young, but if I showed you a picture of her, you would have thought she was about 100. I mean, she had all gray hair and her skin, you know, they never did an autopsy. We don't know why she died. Everyone just always said it was a heart attack, but I don't know. My mom and I have talked about this a lot over the years and we think probably she had cancer of some kind. She just didn't, she didn't look like a healthy person. Her skin was sort of ashy. I don't know, just didn't, she just didn't look healthy. And when you go back and look at pictures, it's like, oh yeah, something was definitely up. But I don't know. They they didn't go to the doctors. They never went for physicals and appointments and things like that. And again, no autopsy. So no one really knows how she died. But the bottom line is she died. And I remember my mom coming and just hysterical screaming. I mean, it was very shocking to my young self, five years old, to see my mom reacting this way. And then the next thing I remember is at the visitation, at the viewing I went up to the open casket and I remember I touched my grandmother's arm. Again, processing death. I didn't really understand what it meant. 
And when I touched my grandma's arm and it was, it was cold, really cold, obviously. And I remember kind of having a reaction to that. And my mom coming up to the casket as I was doing that and witnessing my reaction. And so she's, you know, having her own grief and then seeing me do that. And then I'm processing that she's really gone. Does this make any sense? I just feel like there was a lot happening in that moment. And my mom was just screamed out. She screamed out loudly. I can just hear it in my head. So anyway, pretty tragic event to happen to witness, uh, you know, to be there when my grandma died at five years old. And I have a feeling that that's where my anxiety really stemmed from because I had to learn about death really quickly. I realized the impact that had on other people. And so then a couple of years later, my parents divorced and that was a bomb that got dropped on me. And I realized that my world got shattered in a different way. Everything I thought I knew. I mean, listen, if my parents had problems in their marriage, I don't know. I was little. I didn't, I didn't know about it. To me, we were just an average American family. I mean, I didn't think there were problems. And so when I can remember that moment when my dad um, you pulled my brother and I aside. I'm not sure where my, where my sister was in that moment, but my dad pulled us aside and to see my dad crying hysterically, telling me that, you know, they were getting a divorce. That was just another obviously pivotal moment in my life, but a shocking one. It was, you know, just unexpected. So that's when I can trace some some pretty good anxiety, obviously, but with good reason. I think for both of those events, you know, pretty good reasons to to have anxiety. I mean, I, I just remember not feeling stable anymore. I didn't feel security anymore. I didn't really know. I didn't know what to think, you know, and with my parents divorced, they hated each other. And listen, I think people get divorced now. And of course there are people, there are couples that have, um, yucky, messy divorces. It, it still happens, but I do think that we've come a long way with that. I feel like I know a lot of couples who make it work. They both show up to the kids' birthday parties. They both participate in the kids' lives. They realize it's not the kids' fault, so they don't blame the kids or put the kids in the middle. My parents did not react that way. They absolutely put me in the middle, and I was always torn, and I always felt that I was just a mis... I hate to say this sounds so sad, but it, I felt I was a mistake that came out of a a bad marriage. I was a bad thing that came out of a bad marriage. And I, it's weird because I knew my parents loved me, but I knew they loved me individually. But collectively, any time it was about, you know, a situation where I would need both of them to be, you know, mom on my left and dad on my right, like that just, that, that, that wasn't happening. They hated each other and they let it be known and they put me in the middle. You know, if I needed money for something for school, I would have to, I would, you know, ask your mother, we'll ask your father. And it was a back and forth to where I just stopped asking. I just did without, because it's like, it's not worth it. And you know, that awful relationship between the two of them, you know, went all the way up into adulthood. I mean, even my wedding, I had, I, one of the times in my life I had to go to therapy was before my wedding. Um, I had such incredible anxiety during that time because I knew it was the literally the first time my parents were going to be in the same room. I mean, for years, for like my whole life, they didn't go, they didn't both come to my birthday parties. They didn't come together to my high school graduation, things like that. No, like that just didn't happen. So between the death of my grandmother while I was at her home and then my parents divorce, I definitely had anxiety as a child. And I think the way I expressed it then was I couldn't spend the night at people's houses. And it sucked for me because obviously sleepovers and I watch my my daughter now eight years old. I mean, she loves sleepovers. It's like the thing. And 
I couldn't do it. I could go. And the minute I would get to someone else's house, I would just, I, and it's really even hard to put into words. I would just get this icky feeling. It's the only way I can describe it as an icky feeling where I, it, it was anxiety. I didn't have a word for it back then, but I just couldn't even enjoy anything about it. I couldn't get back to my own bubble fast enough. And it is funny, all my life I wonder, gosh, what was that? Why was I like that? And then once I experienced anxiety as an adult, and now that I've had time, many, many years of processing and dealing and living with anxiety, I know exactly what that was. That was anxiety as a kid. There was just not a name for it. Nobody talked about it. And in fact, nobody talked about anything. (laughs) I couldn't even share that with people. or I thought they would have thought I was crazy. So I think somewhere around middle school, that part of my anxiety subsided. I then was able to sleep over at people's houses. I got a little braver. I didn't miss so much school. I didn't go home with a stomach ache, those sorts of things. So I I somehow started to be able to deal with it. And then the next big moment of anxiety that I remember, and I remember it vividly, I was about 22 and I was in my car and I was driving to work. And I remember feeling tingles from my toes all the way up to the top of my head. I remember getting very, very hot, very, very dizzy. I can remember how my foot felt pressing down on the gas. I felt like I couldn't hit the gas correctly. I felt like my leg was so numb. I, I didn't have any control over it. I started to tremble and I'm driving. I started to tremble from head to toe. And then I remember feeling like an elephant was on my chest and, and I'm driving. I couldn't catch my breath. I was dizzy. I couldn't see straight. I thought I was dying. I literally thought in that moment, I am dying and I'm driving a car. This is not great. So I pull off the exit. I can vividly see all of this as though it was happening right now. Pull off the exit. I pull into a parking lot. I put my head back on the headrest, closed my eyes, tried to take some deep breaths, pull myself together the best I could. I couldn't stop the trembling though. And my heart was just racing. I thought it was going to pop out of my chest, but I pulled it together enough to where I, my work wasn't very far from there. So I was able to make it the rest of the way to work. And I remember I got up to work and there were a couple of girls in the office and I said, you explained what had happened. And what's funny though, is it's common now. I feel like anxiety and depression are, people speak about them a little more. We've gotten better in that way. People do talk about that kind of stuff. Nobody spoke the word anxiety. Nobody said that like, oh, you're having an anxiety attack. I feel like if someone came to me now, of course I've dealt with it. So I know, but I feel like that would be something common. People would say you're having a panic attack, an anxiety attack. We use those words now, but I'm telling you then like nobody said that. Everyone was like, oh, I wonder if your blood pressure is okay. I wonder, I don't know what, I, I don't even remember what they said, but I remember uh, going back to a cubicle and laying on the floor, just trying to pull myself together. And then I started to gradually feel a little better, but I was still, my hands were sweating and my chest was pounding. And um, I just I just knew something was wrong. I was feeling a little better. So I was snapping out of it, but something had happened and I, and I didn't like it at all. And so... I didn't feel great for the rest of that day. And the next day I woke up and I just had that constant feeling of being shaky and, and unfocused. I, I couldn't concentrate. Um, 
it, it was, if you've had anxiety at all, you really probably know exactly what I'm talking about. It's just the strangest feeling in the world. And while I had anxiety in my childhood, it never displayed like that. I'd never had any physical like that symptoms. I've never had an anxiety attack, a panic attack. And so I called my doctor and I made an appointment. And I don't remember the time frame as to, you know, how long after I was able to get in and see him, but I can remember sitting in his office and this doctor, gosh, I wish I knew his name. I'd write him a letter of thanks because I thought surely he is going to think I'm crazy because at that point I didn't have a heart attack. I didn't die. Whatever had happened to me happened and then I was fine, basically. You know, I say that loosely, but I thought, how am I even going to explain this? Well, clearly this doctor knew a thing or two. Clearly this doctor had had a patient or two with anxiety in his career, so he didn't think I was crazy at all. I went in, told him everything that had happened. He said, okay, first thing we're going to do, I want you to have um, an EKG. So we did that. Then he said, I want you to have an echocardiogram done. So I went to the hospital and had that done. And I can remember the doctor that performed the echocardiogram. He said, you have like the nicest, most textbook heart I've ever seen. And so that was good news. And I thought, okay, well, I'm not dying of a heart attack. My heart is good. And so I went back to his office. This is over a series of visits. And I would go back to his office and, you know, he would had me do all these things. And then I remember at one of the next appointments, he said, okay. He's like, so we know physically that you are okay. We know that you're healthy. Your blood work came back good. You know, your tests have all come back good. You, your heart looks great. You know, you're not dying. And so for someone to say to me, you're not dying, first of all, needed to hear that. <laughs> so that was great news. But he said, what you have is generalized anxiety disorder. I had never heard of that in my entire life. And I said, okay, what does that mean? And he said, you have anxiety. And so he gave me a prescription for Xanax. He said, I want you to take these. It was the lowest dosage, like 0.25. It was the lowest dosage you could get. And he said, you know, when you're having an attack, he said, you know, take, you can even take a half of one of these. Just see, see if this gives you any sort of relief. So he gives me this bottle and I'm a person, I have anxiety about taking anything other than Advil. I don't even like to take <laughs> that. So he gives me this bottle of Xanax. And I remember taking it home and putting it on my bathroom counter and just looking at it, <laughs> thinking, I'm never taking this. There's no way I'm taking this. I don't take stuff. I, it makes me nervous. I had anxiety about taking the anti-anxiety medication. So it sat there. It sat there for a long time. And I suffered. I was waking up in the morning with, it was just like someone took an elephant and went, boom, and stuck it on my chest. It was as though overnight I was able to relax while I was sleeping. But then the minute I opened my eyes, boom, that elephant was sitting on my chest. And of course, all the thoughts, the racing thoughts, it was like, wait a minute, do I feel okay? No, you don't feel okay. You have anxiety. I mean, I could not pull myself together. It was awful. I felt horrible. And so one late afternoon, I just remember I looked at that bottle and I thought, okay, you know what? I think I'm going to try a little piece of this just to see if it does anything. I was so terrified of side effects. I, I don't know what I thought this pill was going to do for me, but I thought this, uh, at that point, I was in such distress. I thought it can't be any worse than what I'm feeling now. So I took half of the lowest dosage possible of this Xanax. So I took it and I remember I laid on the couch in sheer panic and my heart was racing and racing. And then within 25, 30 minutes, all of a sudden I could breathe again. And that elephant was off of my chest. And it was like it reminded my body how to feel. It remi I didn't feel, 
I don't even know if I want to use the word high or whatever terminology. I, I didn't feel anything like that. I just felt normal. I just felt like my normal self again. And I cried. I was so happy to have relief. Also terrified because I didn't want to have to rely on something to feel that way. I wanted to get back naturally. I wanted to get back that way. But that's what the Xanax did for me. I was able, I took very few. I, I think in total, because I, like I said, I was taking half the pill. I think I maybe took in total two, three pills tops. And by then it was like I was reminding my body how to feel and what it was like to breathe normally and to not have a racing heart. And so for me, then I was able to come up with ways to deal with the anxiety for the most part on a daily basis. And I didn't have to take it. I had it. Oh my gosh. It was like a security blanket in my mind. I had it in my purse at all times because I knew it was my rescue. If I really needed it, I knew that it was there. And I loved having that security. So I carried it around with me till it was beyond expired. And I found different ways to just breathe. And the doctor had helped me with some breathing exercises. So I learned about breathing exercises. And like I said, I didn't want to rely on any kind of medication. I just wanted to be able to get back to normal on my own. But I loved having that rescue in case I needed it. So I, to this day, you know, I'm like that. I, I have to know it's there. I don't take it very often. When I need it, I, I'm not ashamed. I do take it when I have to. And that is what upsets me about this whole stigma with mental illness at all, because it's about doing whatever you have to do to cope and to go through life and to feel the best you can and you do what you have to do. For me, I don't want to have to take something every day. That's more of a mental thing. But I know there are many people that do. I've thought about it many times. I've toyed with trying to take something every day, um, SSRIs. I- I've thought about all of those things, but I just am not at the point where I want to take something every day. So like I said, I have my rescue if I need it, and then I try to, the best I can, cope with it, with breathing and all of those other things. But, you know, there are times I have, I think people say anxiety, or I even say anxiety, and you might think, oh, something triggers that, an event something specific you can you can trace it to that event it makes total sense why you'd be feeling anxious sure i have lots of times lots of experiences just like that throughout my lifetime but as a person with generalized anxiety disorder there are a lot of times i can't really trace it to anything there are times i just wake up in the middle of the night in a complete panic attack to where i cannot breathe i feel like i'm dying the world is spinning and i have nothing to trace it to because i really do love my life I have a great husband who treats me well. I have two awesome kids. I have a great job. Financially, we're okay. Like, I don't have something gnawing at me that would I would be able to trace that to. And that's the scariest part for me about anxiety is when, when I can't trace it to something. And then I get that detached feeling. If you've ever had that, it is horrible. And I it, that is a really hard thing to even describe. But if you've had it, you know, you get it. You just feel detached. Um, disconnected. I feel like I can't focus when I'm in that state. And I'm not always in that state with anxiety, but that sometimes that's the one that'll creep up. I'll have that where I'm just detached. I can't focus all the way. Um, I've also had, it shows, anxiety in my life shows itself in so many different ways. I'll have times where for a month, my right hand will totally tingle and I'll be sure I have MS. My leg, my right leg will tingle. I'm sure I have MS. I can't tell you how many times. I have actually had MRIs because I thought I had MS. I've gone to specialists because I thought I had MS. Um, that's a big one. I um, I have had twitches, facial twitches, things like that, um, that present, anxiety presents itself that way. And it's like weird. These things will last for a certain period of time and then they'll just go away. 
I have gone to the emergency room countless times for anxiety, heart racing, sure I was dying, couldn't catch my breath. And every time, you know, they check me out, I'm fine. But sure that I'm dying. I mean, you don't just go to the emergency room because you think. I mean, I'm convinced in that moment that I am dying. And it seems so silly if I told you some of the things that circle and swirl in my mind, because that's the thing with anxiety. I can't shut the thoughts off. It's a swirling pool of thoughts. And then one thought triggers the next thought, and then it just goes round and round in my brain. And there are times I think if I spoke this out loud, I, I mean, I would probably laugh at myself because some of it is so totally ridiculous. But that's the thing about anxiety. It might feel completely ridiculous to me, but but it's real to me. In that moment, I really think I'm dying. And a guy like my husband who just doesn't have anxiety, he just doesn't. He lovingly kind of rolls his eyes at me about it because he just doesn't get it because he doesn't have it. I guarantee if you're listening and you have anxiety, you're going, yes, yes, because I feel like these are all the things that happen with it that Again, I don't know. Maybe we need to talk about it more as a society, but I do feel like people are opening up more and more about it. And when I talk to girlfriends who have it, it, it makes me feel better knowing I'm not the only one. So then I became a mom and that did, oh, super fun things for my anxiety. Not. Um, it changed it. It just put it in a whole new perspective because not only was I, and I say was, like this was something that happened many moons ago. This is all still happening, people. Um, you know, not only worried about myself and what could what horrible things could happen with my health or myself, but then it's all about my kids, something happening to them. And I can't even go there. I mean, I, some of the, I have just, thousands of thoughts that just crossed my mind. I, if you, if something bad could happen, I can picture it. This is like how, how nutty it can be in my brain is like when I would have my babies, when my babies were babies and I would carry them down the steps, I could almost visualize me losing my footing and tumbling down the steps and then the baby tumbling. I mean, I can picture these things happening. I feel so silly saying this out loud, but and I don't, I don't know. Does anybody else have you experienced that? But I can picture stuff happening and it just makes me squeeze, you know, I would squeeze the baby even tighter, closer to my chest, and I would walk so carefully, you know, and then all of this goes back to control, because really, I think that's what anxiety is all about, that lack of control. My grandmother died when I was five years old at her house. I had no control over that situation. My parents got divorced when I was seven, eight years old. My life completely changed, and I had no control of that, over that situation, um, as an adult, if we don't have any control with, as a mom, we don't have any control. I mean, ultimately every day is a gift and we don't know what's around the corner. I've had some pretty traumatic life experiences as an adult. My sister's husband was killed in a car accident a few years back and all of their six kids were in the car at the time. I'm going to have her on for a podcast when she comes to visit because boy, she's got a story to tell, but you know, getting that phone call that a loved family member just died in a tragic car accident. My brother died of a drug overdose, getting that call. You know what I mean? There, there are just shocking, startling things to the system. And, and those things I can definitely say, okay, well, that's where your anxiety came from in that moment. But really, it's the, it's the weird stuff. It's when life's kind of cruising along and out of nowhere, I'll have an anxiety attack or just out of nowhere, I'll start having these weird you know, feelings of anxiety. And, and when there's nothing to trace it to, that's the weird stuff. But I feel like I do cope with it better the more I deal with it. I, 
I do think that. I mean, I remember early on when I didn't even have a name for what it was. Those were really scary, scary days. Now, a lot of times I can talk myself off the ledge because I know, okay, breathe. This is anxiety. You're not really dying. Take a Xanax if I need it. You know what I mean? I have the tools. I know how to deal with it a little better, but it's a struggle. And it's something that I deal with pretty much nonstop. It's exhausting. Sometimes it is just physically exhausting, mentally exhausting. I'm just, I'm exhausted from it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the swirling thoughts. I'm tired of feeling that way. But just keep going. And I really just wanted to do this and share my story because I want you to know if you have anxiety in any way, shape, or form, that you are so not alone. You are so not alone. And reading that article that I I read from Scary Mommy, you know, just solidified that because the person who wrote it even says in the article, I feel really silly writing these things out because they seem ridiculous when I'm looking at it on paper. I get that as I'm speaking some of these things to you and it feels silly. It really does. It seems so basic. Like, figure it out. Stop being anxious. It's just not that easy. It's mental illness. And that's just a term. We don't want to say that mental illness, but it is. It is. And I guess I have mental illness because I have anxiety. Um, You know, so I just wanted to share my story. I just wanted to let you know you're not alone. We'll get into so many more aspects of it. And I'll share about my situations that come up and and just let you know you're not alone and, and keep the conversation going about that. But if you are dealing with it, man, I, I get you. I feel you. And you are so not alone. Well, I always try to end with something positive. And so because we're talking about anxiety today, here's a quote from HealthyPlace.com. You are strong for getting out of bed in the morning when it feels like hell. You are brave for doing things even though they scare you or make you anxious. And you are amazing for trying and holding on no matter how hard life gets. So I just want to leave you with that. It's true. You are strong. If you're going through a bout of anxiety right now and life is really freaking hard for you, just know that you're brave for every moment that you can try and get up. And that's my thing. I'm trying to walk through the anxiety, run through the anxiety. I'm trying not to let it beat me. I am determined to conquer it. And it's going to be maybe a lifelong battle, but I'm really trying hard. And I hope you will too, to not let it win. Let's not let anxiety win. Okay. I'll leave you with that. Have an awesome week. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Real Life with Jenny Matthews. Check out Jenny's blog and more at JennyMatthewsOnAir.com.